Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that Christ has indeed uh, died for us to take away our sins, that you have raised him from the dead gloriously and exalted him as Lord over all. And thank you that the day will come when he will return and take us to be with him, to enjoy the inheritance that you've given us. And Father, thank you that uh, even as we wait for that day, uh, you sustain us and you encourage us, you speak to us, you lead us uh, by your Spirit through your Word. Uh, and we pray now that as we uh, uh, look at this passage from your Word together, uh, that you would indeed be at work among us, uh, that your Spirit will enable me to preach this Word rightly and faithfully in His power. And we pray that you would be, um, that same Spirit would work in each one of our hearts. Uh, drawing us to Christ, helping us to appreciate Him more and more, to love Him more and more, um, and to live lives that serve and please Him. Uh, so please, Father, we ask for your help. Uh, please work among us this morning, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are always new words to learn in the English language, uh, because new words are being coined all the time. Uh, the latest list of words added to the Oxford Dictionary in June 2019 includes words that many of you know already. Bay, which means boyfriend or girlfriend. Noob, a person who is new or inexperienced in a particular area. And a new word that means excellent, marvelous, great. Actually, it's a word that we Malaysians have been using for years. It's best. Now, one of the new words I learned in the last few years is the word FOMO, right? Most of you know what FOMO means, right? For those who don't know, let me tell you. It is the fear of missing out, F-O-M-O, -O, right? It's the anxious feeling you get when you feel that other people might be having a good time without you, right? You can see, friends, people see friends posting exciting things or delicious food or happy holidays on Facebook or Instagram, and they think, how come my life's not like that one, huh? Right? Without realizing, they're actually only seeing a little snippet of the person's life. You're just seeing the good bits, right? You don't see the stress, the conflicts, the doubts, the pains. And so you compare the whole of your life with just a snippet of your friend's life, and you think, I must quickly go and do what my friends are doing so I don't miss out. As you keep on checking social media, you try to keep on replicating what you see there so you don't miss out on the good things that your friends enjoy. Now, FOMO, we know, actually is not very healthy, lah, right? because actually you can miss out on food or parties or holidays. doesn't actually matter. And when we have FOMO about them, then that can distract us from being concerned about things that actually do matter. Because there are things that it is right not to want to miss out on. There are things we ought to want to be included in. We may not see them on Instagram, but God shows us those things in the Bible. And we began to see some of those things in our passage last week. As we looked at Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 to 10 last week, we saw that God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ in the heavenly places. God chose us in Him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before Him. He predestined us to be adopted as His children. He treated us so much better than we deserved. 
And that's called grace. And he did that so that we would recognize that the grace of God comes to us in Jesus and that we would give God the thanks and praise for it. God redeemed us through the blood of His Son, that is, Jesus died so that we could belong to Him. He forgave our trespasses, not counting our sins against us. That's how rich His grace is. And He didn't just show us that grace, He lavished the grace upon us. With all wisdom and understanding, He knew what He was doing. And He's told us what He's doing. He's told us His plan for the whole universe. That he's going to bring everything under one head, the Lord Jesus Christ. God has been so good to us. He's given us every spiritual blessing. And He's given it to us in Christ. That was the passage last week. Now, when we read Ephesians 1, 3 to 10, we assume that that we there refers to us. But does it? Are we actually included in this? Or... Should we be looking at it with a sense of FOMO? Well, this week we will see the beneficiaries of this grace, those who are in Christ, actually came in two stages. We'll see the first lot in verses 11 to 12, and the second lot in verses 13 to 14, and we'll ask the question of whether we fit in to these groups. Well, the first group of people are described in verses 11 to 12. Uh, notice how Paul in verse 12 talks about we who were the first to hope in Christ. Or you could even translate, we who were the ones to hope beforehand in Christ. Either way. Now who do you think he might be talking about there? Well, if we go on to read the rest of Ephesians, we'll see one big theme in the book is about how Jewish believers and Gentile believers are now one in Christ. And so it makes sense that what he's referring to here are actually believing Jews. Because you see, God had a covenant with his people Israel. He had promised them a Messiah, a King, a Christ. And they had been waiting for that for many, many years. And so when Jesus died and rose again, the true believers, the Jews who actually trusted in God, repented and received their long-awaited Messiah. Many Jews came to put their faith in Christ. We read about that in the book of Acts. And so even before the gospel went out to the Gentiles, the true Israel, the true Jews, had come to Christ. They were the first to hope in Christ. And look what they obtained in verse 11. In Him, in Christ, we obtained an inheritance. Right, back in the old covenant, their inheritance was the promised land. Right, Moses could look out and see that inheritance even though he didn't actually get there. But even Abraham, when he was promised the land, was actually looking beyond that to a better inheritance one of which that promised land was only a picture, a shadow, a pointer. And in Christ, the Jewish believers actually obtained this because the real inheritance is God Himself in the new creation, the new heaven and new earth, the ultimate promised land. They would enjoy Him and His blessings there forever. That is what they would look forward to. That was the inheritance that they received. And what's the reason they received that inheritance? Verse 11, it's according to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. In other words, it was God's plan. 
Remember, their ancestors didn't receive the promised land because they were bigger or greater or more numerous than other people. They received it as a gift from God. That is why it was called an inheritance, right? You can't earn an inheritance. You can only receive it. And likewise, the believing Jews of Paul's day had their real inheritance in the new creation. They didn't earn it. They received it because they were in the family. They were adopted as God's children through Christ. And that was God's plan, not theirs. And God rules the world in every detail to bring about the fulfillment of His plan. And then we ask the question, what was God's purpose behind it? What was God's intention? Well, verse 12 says, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of His glory. God did all this so that in them He would be glorified. So that they could see how wonderfully He kept His promises to their ancestors, how gracious and kind He had been to them, how wise His plans and purposes were, in the way He rescued them and brought about all this and they would be eternally grateful. And so God saved these Jewish people. He gave them every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gave them the internal inheritance all according to His plan so that their lives and their very existence would bring glory to Him. He did it to the praise of His glory. Well, that was them. What about us who are non-Jews? All the spiritual blessings we heard about last week all this inheritance we heard about just now, was it just for the Jewish believers? Well, no lah. Right? The non-Jews, or to use the technical term, the Gentiles, can also be included. All these spiritual blessings can be theirs as well if they are in Christ. And so Paul says in verse 13, he says, In Him you also. You also. But it wasn't all the Gentiles. Anymore, the first people to, be, to, to get it were all the Jews. The Jews who received the spiritual blessings were the ones who were in Christ, isn't it? It's always in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. And likewise, the Gentiles are the ones included. The ones included, the Gentiles who are included ones are one in Him, in Christ. So how did they come to be included? How did they come to be in Christ? Well, verse 13 continues. When you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in Him. Right? The word of truth is the gospel message about Jesus. It's the message that Jesus is Lord, that He died for our sins in our place, that He rose again from the dead, showing He really is God's true King. It is the gospel of our salvation because if we believe this message and we keep believing it to the end, we will be saved from our sins and be with God forever. And so Paul says this second group of people who are included in Christ are these Gentiles who heard about Jesus in the gospel and believed in Him. Now he doesn't actually use the word included. What does he actually say in verse 13? You were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And that's actually the same thing. You see, in the Old Testament, God had promised a day when He brings in the new covenant, He will give His Spirit to His people. 
so they would love him and obey him from the heart. But the Spirit didn't just come to Jewish believers. Uh, in the book of Acts, when the Gentiles believed the gospel, then they were given the Spirit as well. And the first time that happened, God did amazing things to show that the Gentile Christians can also be Christian. Uh, and the same thing happened to them as happened to the Jewish Christians on the day of Pentecost. Right, after that, He gave the Spirit as promised, but no recorded phenomena because He doesn't need to show that the Gentiles can be Christians anymore. We already know that. But phenomena or not, the Gentile believers are sealed with the Spirit when they believed. And you and I, when we heard the gospel and believed in Jesus, we too were sealed with the Spirit. Right? Back in those days, people used to brand their cattle, sometimes even slaves, with a seal to show that they were the owners. When we heard the gospel and believed in Jesus, we were sealed. We were marked with the Holy Spirit. God says, this one belongs to me. This one belongs to me. This one belongs to me. I put my Spirit in them to show that they are mine. They're one of my people. It's not the Jewish people who believe who are the chosen people. We who are once far off have been brought in as well. And all of us who have heard the gospel and believed it have been included in Christ and sealed with the Spirit. Now remember the Jewish Christians obtained an inheritance. Well, what did we obtain? Well, when God seals us with the Spirit, that shows that we have the inheritance as well. Right? For the Holy Spirit, verse 14, is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it. Right? The word guarantee there means a, a deposit, a down payment. Right? If you want to buy something really expensive like a house or a car, you may not pay the whole thing at once. But you might sign a contract and you pay a deposit. Right? The deposit or, or the earnest shows that you're serious about this transaction. It's the promise that you'll come back and you'll pay the rest uh, uh, that, that you owe. And the Spirit is a deposit. The first installment of the inheritance that we have to come. You see, our final inheritance is to be with God forever in perfect relationship with Him and His people. And the Spirit gives us a little taste of that now. He is God with us now, in us now, making Jesus real to us now as we wait for the day that we will be with Him forever. He changes our lives step by step now to become more like Jesus as we wait for the day when we will be freed from sin forever. He unites us now as we wait for the day when we will stand before God as His one people forever until the redemption, the rescue that we have in Christ is, is complete and God takes possession of us who are already His. And we take possession of that fullness of our inheritance. And when, when faith is, is turned into sight and all the riches of the spiritual blessings that we already have in Christ are seen for what they are. And all we can do is bask in the wonder of God's amazing grace, which He has shown to us the undeserving, and give all the glory to Him. And the Spirit is a deposit that guarantees what is to come. So, the Gentiles are included when they hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. But why? Why does God include the Gentiles? What's the purpose of including them? 
Well, the reason why God does this for the Gentile believers is the same reason as why He did it for the Jewish believers. See, the end of verse 14, it's to the praise of His glory. It's to the praise of His glory. Now, notice this is the third time we've heard this today. That God is acting to the praise of His glory. Now, sometimes people wonder, is that a good reason, right? Is it right that God works for the praise of His glory? Now, we ask that question because we're thinking the wrong way about God. Right? We think of God as if He is another human being. Right? If you came to visit me in my house and I told you, hey, come in, come in, but I sit on the floor there, okay? I open a can of pal and dog food and I put in a bowl for you, right? Right? And then I take another bowl with my cat's water and give to you, and then I, uh, you'd be pretty upset, lah. Right? Why? Because you're a human being, and I'm treating you like a dog. I'm treating you very well for a dog, right? Pal is very expensive dog food, right? But, but, but you're not a dog. Um, you're a human being, and the way to treat a human being rightly is very different from the way to treat a dog rightly. Uh, and likewise, if God were another human being, the way to treat him rightly is different from actually if he is God. The way to treat God rightly is to give him all the glory because, because he is God. Um, if God were just another human being, it would be selfish for him to act for his own glory. If I were to go around acting for my glory, you'd be saying, hey, hang on, something's not right here, right? Why? Because, because I'm not God. I don't deserve to be glorified in that way. And by seeking my own glory, I'm robbing God of his. But God is God. He deserves all glory. It's only right to glorify Him. It's only right to act for Him to act for His glory. And it's never a selfish thing because the Father glorifies the Son. The Son glorifies the Father. The Spirit glorifies the Son and through that the Father. It's, God might share His glory with us, but that is an act of grace on His part. We cannot seek it or demand it. It is His alone. So to treat God rightly involves giving Him glory. That's the right thing to do. It's the best thing to do. That's what the universe is for, and that's what we are for. And so when God enables people to live for His glory, He's actually enabling them to live in a way that flows with the purpose for which we are made. He is enabling us to live in a way that fits what we are for. Uh, living any other way actually defeats the purpose, leads to disaster. But living to the praise of God's glory is wonderfully freeing because then we are fulfilling the purpose of our existence. And so when God saves people, Jew or Gentile, He gives them every spiritual blessing in Christ. He gives them eternal inheritance, all according to His plan, all by His wonderful grace, so that their lives and their very existence would bring glory to Him. So, what have we seen today? Well, we've been reminded of God's amazing spiritual blessings to us in Christ. We've seen how those of us who have believed in Christ have been included in them. And let me say, this is the one thing in the world that is really, really worth having for more about. Right? So let me ask you today, are you included? Are you included? Right? If you are not yet a believer, then today is the day to believe. The Bible says... People are included in Christ when they what? When they hear the gospel and believe in Jesus. You have heard the gospel. Believe in Jesus. 
And if you put your trust in Jesus, God will seal you with His Spirit. All these spiritual blessings will be yours. And one day you will look back and realize that actually God chose you before the foundation of the world to be His. And you will look forward and say, what a wonderful inheritance I have in Christ. And for all eternity, you will live to the praise of the glorious grace of the one who loved you and saved you. There is great joy in being included in Christ. For those of us who already believe, let us celebrate the joy of our inclusion. It is a great and precious thing. People who don't have any citizenship long to belong to a friendly country. Being in Christ is better than being the citizen of any country in the world. People think that Robert Kwok's children will inherit a lot of money. Having an inheritance in Christ is better than having the biggest inheritance in the world. Belonging to Christ is better than being part of anything else in the world. People long to have that sense of belonging. Whether it's a group or a family or a party or a cause, no. Belonging to Christ is better. People long to be chosen. They have the sense of being special to someone. Being chosen by God before the foundation of the world, He is very own, and being sealed by the Spirit to show it is better than being chosen by anyone else in the whole world. If you are included, then take joy in your inclusion. Appreciate it, revel in it, be grateful for it. Don't worry so much about missing out on other things. And especially, don't be FOMO about the good things you choose to give up for the sake of Christ and the gospel. You have Jesus. And being included in Christ is better than anything else in the world. Furthermore, sisters and brothers, the fact that you and I have heard the gospel and believe means that what we've been sealed with the Spirit. And so we know that God Himself is with us and in us. And we have that promise, that guarantee we will receive the inheritance. So no matter what you and I might face in this week ahead, nothing is going to change that future. Some of us here might be earnestly waiting for results, either of academic tests or medical ones. No matter what the results of your tests, you are in Christ. And nothing can be more secure than that. And the God who works all things, good and bad, according to the counsel of His will, guarantees your ultimate inheritance. And He'll be with you as you face your results. Some of us here are facing financial worries. There are debts that need to be paid, if not then restructured. God doesn't promise financial prosperity now, but the Spirit guarantees our eternal inheritance, and that's far better. Knowing that doesn't solve all our financial problems, but it does put them into perspective. And God is with us as we work through the difficulties. Be assured of that. Even as your true inheritance and your real treasure is in the world to come. Some of you will face conflict in family or among friends. That can be really hard. And draining. But know today that no matter what people say to you or about you, rightly or wrongly, cannot change the fact that you are now in Christ, that your future is secure, that God is with you by His Spirit, you're His dearly beloved child. He will sustain you, and step by step through all these trials, He'll be molding you into the likeness of Christ as you learn patience and forgiveness and non-retaliation. 
Some of you might be spending time preparing to leave this church where you've come to know Christ. Or you've grown significantly in Him. And you've built relationships with brothers and sisters whom you love. Maybe you have to go overseas to study or been transferred somewhere else for work. And some of you know that will be hard. But you won't be at St. Mary's anymore. But that's not so important, isn't it? The important thing is that you are in Christ. And that does not change no matter where you go. Some of you will struggle with chronic illness, physical or mental. God doesn't promise to relieve those terrible symptoms now. But He does promise that He will never leave you to suffer alone. You have been given the Spirit. God Himself is with you day by day, moment by moment in the midst of your pain. He knows and understands. And one day in His good time, this will all be over and you will receive the fullness of your inheritance. You'll be with God forever where there is no more sickness, no more depression, no more disability, no more pain. And the Spirit is in you now, changing you now, teaching you now to be godly, even as you suffer and guaranteeing your inheritance at the end. Some of you will have a week of earthly success. The money might come in. The contract may be signed. The girl might say yes. You might get that offer of postgraduate study might get that job you applied for. Thanks be to God. But don't let that change you. Don't let the good things rob you of the best. Don't become short-sighted with your hope and focus only limited to the here and now. Don't get so caught up with the things of the world that you don't look forward to the world to come. Never lose sight of your inheritance. Never forget how wonderful it will be to enjoy God Himself forever. Never forget God's plan to restore us to be finally the way we're meant to be in the new creation. Never let the attraction of earthly success blind you to that to come and trade the temporary for the eternal. You are in Christ. That's the best thing you can have. In good times and in hard times, keep perspective. Some of us here are still struggling with identity. Without realizing it, deep down we're asking, who am I? What is it that defines me? Others already settled, but still gets challenged by the world. Because the world keeps throwing us answers, isn't it? Some want to say you're identified by your race, right? Fight for your race. Some for your socioeconomic background. Some by your education. Some people say they're defined by their friendship groups, by their sexual desires, by their work or career, by family, some even by religion. What is it that, that really defines you? What gives you identity? Friends, the biggest and the most important and the most lasting thing about you is that you are now in Christ. That is where your identity lies. You have been included in Him. You were chosen before the world began. You were loved and predestined as God's precious child. You were redeemed. Your sins paid for by His precious blood shed on your behalf at Calvary's cross. You were forgiven. You were given insight into God's plans and purposes for the universe. You have a future inheritance that will outlast the world. You've been sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you heard the gospel and believed. That's amazing. That is far bigger than anything else. And that is the truth of who you are if you are in Christ. That is your glorious identity. Everything else pales in comparison. 
Don't, in your thinking, put something else even more important than that. If you are in Christ, let that be the dominating factor in all your attitudes and decisions. And that applies in ministry as well. Most of us here are involved in ministry in some way or other. And if we're not, then we should be thinking about how can we be serving? But friends, our identity is not primarily found in the ministry we do, but in the one whom we serve, isn't it? Uh, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, famous preacher, was asked on his death, but how does it feel after, you know, being so active and preaching to thousands of people and all these things, now you just lying there, you can't do anything. Uh, and he said, he, he quoted the words of Jesus in Luke when the disciples came back from a very successful mission trip. He said, do not rejoice that the Spirit submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. The fact that we are now in Christ, that we will receive our inheritance in Him, that is far more important than what particular thing we can do to serve Him today. Today I might be preaching to you. Tomorrow, maybe the only thing I can do for you is pray uh, from my bed. That's the matter. Our identity and joy is not so much in what we do in our ministry, but in Christ Himself. And our greatest blessing is being included in Him. The passage also has implications of how we, 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 uh, we view our sisters and brothers. It may be that in the Ephesian church, the, 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 Gentile, the Jewish Christians kind of look down a bit on the Gentile ones. We, we don't know. But who are you tempted to, who are you tempted to, to look down on uh, among God's people? Because let me remind you, if they are in Christ, they have every spiritual blessing. They are sealed with the Spirit. One day they will come into their inheritance. And when they come into their inheritance, that will be so glorious that if you met them like that today, you might even be tempted to worship them. If they are in Christ, they have been included as much as you have. And on the same basis as you have, the grace of God toward the undeserving. We are all beneficiaries of grace. And so, brothers and sisters, God has given us so, so much. But in the end, we know it's not really about us. It's not about us. We are the beneficiaries of all these blessings, but we are not the ultimate goal. We have seen today that God's ultimate goal is something far bigger, something much greater, something far more noble than us. It is the praise of His glory that He will be glorified by people like you and me, people who have been given so much, people who know Him, who realize the sacrifice He's made for us, who are growing in our appreciation of His grace, and who will forever love Him in return. And so friends, we at St. Mary's are to be a people who glorify God in response to His grace. People who live and work and die to the glory of God in the grace of God. People who share the gospel with others so that they might be included as well because it's only when people hear the gospel and believe in Christ that they are sealed with the Spirit. We want to be a people who are in Christ and who are content that Christ is all that we ultimately need. But week by week to be a people who, who actually who are day by day and week by week discover more and more of the riches of what it means to be in Him and respond to Him more and more in love and obedience.
And so our prayer is that each of us as individuals and all of us as God's people together would be people who are gripped by grace and live to the praise of God's glory. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for including us in your Son. Thank you for the grace that you have lavished upon us in him. Thank you that you've chosen us in him before the foundation of the world to be yours. That you've redeemed us by his blood, adopted us as your children, and given us an inheritance with you forever. And thank you that all these blessings became ours when we heard the gospel and believed. Thank you that you've sealed us with your spirit as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. No matter what troubles we struggle with now, no matter what challenges we will face in the week ahead, please help us to always appreciate these spiritual blessings you've given us in Christ and look forward to receiving our inheritance. Please help us to always rejoice in our inclusion as your people. Please help us to ever grow in our appreciation of your grace. And please help us to ever live to the praise of your glory. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.